You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. Let's get our Bibles open to Matthew chapter 14 now. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be looking at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. I'm excited to go through this with you this morning. There is a simple phrase located in the account of this gospel miracle. A simple phrase today that has meant so much to me over the past many months, particularly for us, okay, for us in COVID and what happened, um, I heard, even Doug mentioned to me, you guys were kind of shut down for like six weeks. Well, we were two years, okay? We were two years. We were a little bit of stopping and starting. Really difficult time. So glad to be back where we are, but it's been a really interesting phase. But in this passage, one particular phrase has been life-changing to me, and I believe the timing of this, of course, is relevant to you all right now. The more I meditated on this one particular phrase, listen carefully, the more my sin was revealed, the more my faith, though, increased, and when that happens, then the more my expectancy also grew. So my prayer for us today, again, trusting and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to work among us as only he can, My prayer today is that the weak, the weary, the worried, and those without would be wonderfully encouraged by God's Spirit. Jesus today, it's interesting what he does through this text, he's going to expose our insufficiency, he's going to expose our inability, And on top of that, he's going to reveal to us our inadequacy. But why would he do that? Why does Jesus do that over and over again? He does that because he wants to show us that he alone is our sufficiency. That he alone is our adequacy. That he alone is our substance. So this passage today, again, you guys have been encountering the revival of spring in the last several months. I, you know how lush it is around here. It's beautiful. My wife and I commented on that several times already as the spring rains come and bring renewal and revival to the earth. My prayer in some form, in some way, God will be doing that upon our hearts even right now as well. Jesus changes everything and everyone around him with five words today from our text. And here's the five words that Jesus uses that changes everything. It's our sermon title when Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Again, if you're weak, worried, weariful, or woeful, then perfect. You're in the place you need to be. I just want to take a moment and I just want to be able to pray. Uh, Father in heaven, right now, I just, I thank you for this immense privilege of speaking to these brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and this wonderful church of sin. Lord, I, I just so gladly declare to you my inadequacy, insufficiency, and inability. But in that, Lord Jesus Christ, in the very heart of this message, we look to you for you can do all things, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so I pray, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit, that you would choose to fill and guide and bless and empower and strengthen and speak. Maybe where you are even right now, you would just take a brief moment to pray. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me today personally? I just encourage you. You're sitting here. You have woken up. You are here now. You are sitting up straight. Why not ask the Lord 
to do whatever he wants to do in your heart right now. Father, would you please do that? Jesus Christ, be so glorified. This whole passage is you and Holy Spirit again. You are the teacher. You're the comforter. You are instructor. You're the one who gives us strength. And so, so gladly saying, may this be a supernatural time. Father, I just, I don't want to be here for human purposes. I just pray you will choose to lead and guide as only you can. May it be so. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree, you can say Amen. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to read our passage for us, and we're going to jump in. Look at verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said... This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. That makes sense, right? Verse 16, but Jesus said, they need not go away. Listen to this. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And here's our phrase for the morning. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, notice, besides women and children. Now, it's important to know as we jump into the feeding of 5,000 as recorded in Matthew, this miracle is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. So that should make us sit up a little straighter. That should get our attention. That is speaking again to the vital importance, obviously, that the Holy Spirit intended when he placed this miracle in each of the Gospels. Our expectancy should be, wow, I need to make sure I understand and learn and grow from this. Our context also reveals that Jesus was just told about the death of John the Baptist. So upon hearing this, the text says that Jesus withdraws to a desolate place. Jesus is experiencing grief. There's a sense of fatigue as well. He wants solitude. He seeks solace. However, the crowds realize what Jesus is doing. They realize he's leaving and they're very eager to follow him. And it's at this point, again, the text tells us that Jesus takes a boat across the lake. But the crowds tune in, they see what he's doing, and they actually run around. I think it's the southern part of the lake. And Mark's Gospels tell us they actually run on foot and they beat Jesus to the point of where he gets off the boat on the other side. Now remember, Jesus wanted to be alone. But instead, he gets off the boat. He's met by the masses. Now, let's be honest. For most of us, we are tired. We are grieving. We are seeking to be, have solitude and solace. And we're met with the masses. Most of us would be aggravated. Most of us would be like, man, can I just get a break here? But notice in verse 14, Jesus' first reaction. Notice his reaction is compassion. And notice his second reaction is to heal them. It's just a, a side note of application, the heart of our Savior is just no one like him, is there? He is so kind, he is so generous, he is so compassionate, he is so powerful, he is so wonderful, he is so beautiful. He is just so awesome. Apparently, this day of ministry continued, and 
It blew past dinner time. It was here that the disciples indicate, hey, we're in the middle of nowhere. Let's send the crowns away to get some food. From our standpoint, again, a very reasonable suggestion. Everyone is tired. People are hungry. The day is drawing to its end. Again, daylight is waning. But, and verse 16 actually says that. Look at verse 16. It says, but... Jesus said, they need not go away. You, what is this? You give them something to eat. I love this too, little side note. They need not go away. Loved ones, when it comes to everything in life, essentials and the most important parts, never send people away from Jesus, amen? Never send people away from Jesus. Jesus is the source of life itself. He is the bread of life. Send people to Jesus. He is the one who can ultimately only be the answer, don't send people away from Jesus. But I love this. Jesus is setting them up. Jesus proposes or exposes their inability here. And he proposes they fix an impossible situation, humanly speaking. When Jesus says right there, he says, no, no, no. They need not go away. Then watch this. You give them something to eat. Okay? Right there in that one sentence... Jesus reveals their inability, their insufficiency, and their inadequacy. He's like, no, no, don't send them away. You feed them, boys. You give the crowds something to eat. Now look at verse 17. I love this. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. So in many ways, if you get the context of this miracle, this is almost comical for at least us. But the disciples would not have been laughing. The disciples would have been stunned. They would have been staggered. They said, we only have five loaves and two fish. Now remember, our text says there are 5,000 men here, not including women and children. Scholars estimate then, if you throw in the women and the children, 5,000 men is more likely between 15,000 and 20,000 people in total. So live in the text right now. You're standing there. You're one of the disciples. You're looking at the mass of crowds and likely somewhere between fifteen to 20,000 people are before you. And Jesus just said to you, you feed the crowd and you look down and you have five loaves and two fish. Live in the text. That's a problem. Like, like this is an absurd situation. Comical for us, not for the disciples. How do we know what the disciples had in John's gospel? Small boy's lunch is what it was called. And five loaves. We think of five loaves, okay? It's not like um, a loaf of bread we go to the grocery store and buy. We could feed our family quite easily. We have a family of six at home. We could all be fed on a loaf of bread. That wasn't what they were talking about here. Think of a loaf of bread more like a dinner roll. That's what it would be like. Like five dinner rolls, enough to feed a small boy. And you think of two fish, like where I come from in Canada, big on fish, big on salmon, huge kind of 30-pound salmons. Not like that. Think more like dried pickled fish, like a glorified sardine that was just used to give flavor to the bread as if it's going to give you any kind of nutrients or sustenance, again, for your body. So five loaves and two fish, it is nothing. It is paltry. You, are, you have enough for a small boy and 15 to 20,000 people stand in front of you. And Jesus says, you feed them. What would you do? You'd be like, uh, we got a problem. We got a problem. In fact, in John's gospel, again, Andrew looks down at the crowds, looks down at his food and he says, what are these for so many? Amen, Andrew, exactly. Isn't it glorious though? What's Jesus doing right here? Listen carefully. These principles can change our lives if we receive them and apply them. 
Again, this whole situation is absurd, but Jesus is doing this. The starting point to seeing God work, ready, ready, is recognizing we can't. You have to understand that. Moms, dads, people, workplace, everything. The starting point to seeing God work is to recognize that we can't. So many ways we are to the disciples being asked to feed the 5,000. We show up with our five loaves and two fish, so paltry. Like, let's be honest, so pathetic. And we look at the need, we look at the world around us, we look at the lost people, we look at all that needs to be done. And we show up with our five loaves and two fish, and we see our supply, and then we look at the need, and we're humbled. And let's be honest, we are humiliated. But here's what the disciples forgot. I love this. The disciples forgot that they had five loaves, two fish, ready? And one Jesus. And the moment you add the one Jesus into any equation ever is the moment everything changes forever. As it's been very well said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Five loaves, two fish, wait for it, but one Jesus. So I meditated on this phrase, you give them something to eat. I thought about how that translates for us. Jesus says, you give them something to eat, as in, listen, you try and lead your family on your own. You try and save your prodigal child who's lost and wandered and rebellious. You try and muster up the strength on your own to battle Satan and his demons. You try and solve your friend's problems and burdens. You try to find the wisdom to lead through the confession again of our day and all the confusion of our day as well. You gather the energy to raise the kids and keep your home in order. You go and try to find the ability to forgive the person who has deeply hurt you and wounded you. You go and try and overcome the depression that haunts you. You go and try and conquer the fear and the anxiety that overwhelms you. You go and heal the sickness that confronts you. You try to solve the grief and the loneliness that surrounds you. Listen, you try and fight the hatred and division that tempts you in our day. Let alone, you try saving people spiritually from death. Let's see, you try and transform lives for eternity. You try and bring revival. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You see, but we are all being set up for what comes next year. The next words of Jesus are absolutely life-changing. Look at verse 18. And he said, bring them here to me. You know, I have a bold prayer for each of us today that in some form, in some way, this phrase, we will never forget the rest of our lives. I know that's a big, bold prayer, and that's huge. But I'm praying the Holy Spirit will speak to us in such a way that this phrase right here, when Jesus says, bring them here to me, in some form, some way, we will open up Matthew 14 in the years to come, and we will remember at least something to do with the power and the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, bring them here to me. Don't miss how profound this is. Five loaves, two fish, but then one Jesus. Isn't this the way that the Lord works over all of biblical history? Think of Gideon and his 300. 
Think of David and his five smooth stones. Think of Elisha and the jar of oil. Think of Abraham and having no children promised to be again. The stars, as numerous as the stars. Think of Daniel and his diet. Think of Joshua and Jericho and his trumpets. Think of Elijah and the loaves of bread. Think of Peter and having no fish caught again in the boat. Think of Jehoshaphat and the worship music that would rout the enemy. Think of the 120 in Pentecost. Every single one of these situations, they got nothing. But then the Lord steps in, and the nothing becomes everything. What a Savior we have. Bring them here to me. What power, what glory, what sovereignty. Bring them here to me. We here are weak and feeble. Jesus Christ, so awesome and so glorious. Indeed, as the song says, the beautiful hymn, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all and all. Run to the Lord Jesus Christ. May verse 18 ring in our hearts and minds. Bring them here to me. Let me ask you this too. What other evidence do we need that we can't, but that God must What other proof do we need that we can't feed the multitude? It has to be Jesus Christ. What other situations do we need to see in order to understand that apart from Jesus Christ, we can do nothing? So you're here right now, not by accident, by the will of God. And Jesus says to you and me today, he says, bring your exhaustion to me. Bring your struggling marriage to me now. Not to the world, to me Bring your crippling anxiety to me. Bring your lack of wisdom to me. Bring your addiction to me. Bring your lack of provision to me. Bring your hopelessness to me. Bring your sin to me. Bring your lack of contentment to me. Bring your fear to me. Bring your uncertain future to me. See, Jesus says to all of us today, he says, you've tried your way. You've tried with your provision. You've tried according to your strategy. You've tried on your own. My turn, Jesus says. You've tried with your paltry, pathetic, no offense, pathetic provision. Let me try and see what I can do with a life surrendered and fully dependent upon me. Bring them here to me. Watch Jesus go to work. Look at verse 19. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Amazing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. In a word, wow. Church, church, notice, notice, notice. Ready? God has his own set of mathematics. You see that there? Never ever forget that. The disciples begin to divide the five loaves and the two fish. And the more they divide, the more the provision actually multiplies. Awesome. Who can do this except our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? The more that was subtracted, the more that was supernaturally was added. Just stop for a second and just live in the text. Praise your God. Right? Just think, that's amazing. Imagine being there. Imagine being one of the disciples, and you're being used, and you are given the baskets, and you're handing out, we don't got very much, 20,000 people, and you start, oh, there's more, oh, there's more, oh, there's more. And you're going along, and you're watching literally the manna of God be multiplied in your midst, where thousands are being fed. 
Look what the Lord does with our scanty and pathetic provision. The Lord says to us today, he says to you today, bring them here to me. And just, I mean, I come from Canada. You guys are here in Kansas City. Our needs are immense. I follow the U.S. very closely. Canada's hurting. So is the U.S. Our only answer is, is Jesus Christ. There's not going to be a political situation that allows us to see what only Jesus Christ can do. It won't be our ingenuity. It's not going to be our strategy. There must be men and women and children. I'm telling you, we're broken. Are broken over the reality of our sin and sin around us and just avail ourselves in absolute dependence and crying out to say, Lord Jesus Christ, unless you work and unless you move, this is not going to happen. You must do it, as you always have over the course of history. God, forgive us for thinking we're so independent. Forgive us for our self-sufficiency. Forgive us for thinking we can fix certain things, but possibly you've put us increasingly in a place of absolute desperation that you might find us in a place to finally realize we can't, Lord, you must. We only got five loaves and two fish, and there's thousands and thousands of people that need to be fed. It's impossible, humanly speaking. Let me ask you this. Jesus says, bring them here to me. What's your them? Every single one of us has a them. What do you need to bring to Jesus? We have four children at home, age 17, just graduating high school, down to 10, two boys, two girls. As a parent, I've realized that I, I can't save my kids. I love my kids. I I'm thankful for where they're at. But there's one thing to have knowledge. There's another thing to have a heart engaged and filled with the Holy Spirit. I can give knowledge to my kids. I can't do this part. And I feel in this message right here, Robbie, you gotta bring your children fully to me. Because unless you do that, you can talk all you want and you can try to think whatever and it just, it breaks me in such a beautiful way to say, Lord Jesus Christ, I have to bring them. You're the only one who can. And one of the best possible ways I will do that is dependence and prayer and confession and repentance and submission. And to say, Lord Jesus Christ, I commit to you, you. Help me, Lord. What is your them? Bring them here to me. Let's be honest, too. Some of us, some of us today, we've brought our them everywhere but Jesus. We've tried everything. We always do that. We get so distracted. We're so caught up in the world and media and social media and just keeping busy and watching this and reading that and doing this. And we've done all these things, even so many good things, even maybe church things. But somehow we can do church and miss Jesus. That is the tragedy. Christ, he's the answer. He's the sufficiency and he's the glory. And he says to you and me today, bring them here to me. The church that my wife and I, we were so blessed to plant back in 2003, 2004, there was four of us to begin, four people. And I remember sitting there and we had nothing. And four became 10 and 18, whatever it is. And today, to see thousands where we are in Canada within our church, I think back and you're like, what do we have? We have five loaves and two fish and no chance. But add the one Jesus and all of a sudden, hundreds and hundreds of lives being changed and churches being planted all by God's grace, but all through prayer. And there's nothing we look back upon and say, yeah, look, at we, we got it figured out. We did this. No, there's none of that. It's a total joke. It's Jesus Christ looking for surrendered people 
who once again believe that he is strength and power and grace and glory. And we look back and we're so humbled and blessed by that and say, Lord, look what you've done. But again, it's all right here because he said, bring them here to me. It just doesn't get old. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, I don't know where you all are at, but the Lord knows. He knows exactly where you're at. And if you get this foundation in your life, I like your chances. Do not move on from that which is most essential and most important. Jesus says, bring them here to me. Three implications. I want to end this message with three points of understanding and clarity, again, for us to look at together. Three implications of this truth today on the screen for you. Number one is this. We learn here Jesus is our sufficiency. Jesus is our sufficiency, obviously, right? You bring your need to Christ, and you bring it to the inexhaustible one of power, the indestructible God of glory, and the Savior who's incapable of failure. Incapable of failure. The glory of his astounding Sufficiency. I have an illustration of a pyramid of glasses slide. We can put that up. I've used this illustration for so many years in my ministry. Just as a good old for me. Here's what, here's what life is like. If this, if you've ever seen a, a, a pyramid of glasses, often they use champagne and they fill the, but we can use water for these circumstances. Is that better for everyone? I don't really care. The top glass, it's filled with a liquid and it overflows. If the source keeps flowing, the top glass overflows and it spills over to the second row. And as the sword keeps flowing, the second row gets filled over to the third, fourth, and so on until the whole entire pyramid of glasses is filled to the brim as the source at the top is the one that decides how the pyramid is filled. This pyramid is our life. Jesus Christ is the top glass. Now, what we often do in life is we recognize that Christ is the top glass, but we get distracted or preoccupied or obsessed with aspects of the pyramid lower down. Like the lower, uh, lower triangle there could be our family, and over here could be our workplace, and the middle could be sports and hobbies, career advancement, whatever it is. And we're all these good things we're focused on, but we miss Christ. So we have compartments of our life filled, but not the top necessarily filled with Christ and how we, but here's the key. When you worry about the top glass alone, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, when you set your heart and minds on things above, when you understand that Jesus Christ is total sufficiency, when you know there's no one like him, he's the bread of life, he's the one who gives living water. When you start with Jesus Christ on your knees, Bible open, in prayer, dependent, a worshipful life, Lord Jesus Christ, you are everything. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, the top glass starts to overflow and that source is inexhaustible. And it begins to fill every single aspect of our life. The only way to fill the whole thing is to fill the top glass. When you fill your life with Jesus Christ, what happens? He starts to impact life and family and workplace and future and kids and hobbies and whatever. When Jesus Christ is the central figure and the top source of our lives, every other aspect begins to be figured out. The will of God starts to be known. I mean, I'm, I'm, again, so simple, so few actually do this. Simplify your life by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And then all these things will be added unto you. So many go for good and they neglect what is best. This is what this miracle is explaining to us today. Jesus Christ is our sufficiency. Secondly, Jesus is our satisfaction. Look at verse 20. And they all ate and were satisfied. Isn't that amazing? How many people are there again? Between 50 and 20,000. And they all ate and were satisfied. Are you kidding me? That word satisfied uh, can also be translated, they were stuffed. Like they ate, you know, you go to a restaurant, like it's like me at a Kansas City barbecue this Friday, okay? I was there, man, this is so good. I, I left and I was satisfied, right? Like I was, I was full. Every single person ate their fill of bread and fish and they were, who can do that? Who can feed 20,000 people to their full from five loaves and two fish? Jesus can. Because Jesus Christ is satisfaction. For 22 years of my life, I sought the things of the world that ended up in total emptiness. Long story short, 22 years old, coming out of university, where I basically majored in football. Told you I should have been American. (laughs) Came out of university, looked at my life, everything I thought would make me satisfied, emptied, depleted, miserable. I hated who I was. For the first time, I grew up in a Christian home. For the first time in my life, I started asking answers above myself. First time in my life, I actually started to take God seriously. I was so broken. I, again, I hated who I was. I couldn't, I couldn't understand. Long story short, I ended up on a Sunday morning, March 9th, 1997, in a song by DC Talk. I put in a CD. My brother was at a Christian camp summer before. I thought anything Christian like that was lame. I was so desperate. I put in the CD. Remember when you had CDs and you hit random? I hit random, and song number 10 came on, and it was the song by DC Talk called In the Light. And here are the words that I was about to hear in total. Spent the night before that crying and just so broken and hating who I was. And the words that came out was, I keep trying to find a life of my own apart from you. I'm the king of excuses. I got one for every selfish thing I do. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And it said this, what's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm I'm still a man in need of a savior. I've told that story, I don't know, hundreds of times. I just, just, it just moves right now. That was my gospel moment. I had looked for satisfaction in everywhere but Jesus Christ. And in my brokenness, in my sinfulness, in my desperation, I finally looked up and Jesus is like, oh yeah, you want to go? You want to be serious right now? Let's see what life, let, let, let's see what life looks like now when I'm at the top and you're filled with faith and the grace and the compassion and the love and the mercy never be the same again. And from that moment on, that moment on, crazy love for Christ and passion for ups and downs and heartaches and pains and trials, whatever. But I stand here today, there's no one who satisfies like the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our satisfaction. And the more we feed on him, the more we live in life. Who's that for today? Who's here today? That was for you. Like you showed up today, this date of this year, in this place, at this time, to hear from a Canadian of all people about Jesus Christ being the true satisfaction where this is where your life will begin. There's no one like Jesus Christ. Maybe you're even around that age that I was. You tried everything, but not Christ. Once and for all. Once and for all. You're done. You give up. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. You know what's amazing in this text here too? It says that Jesus looked up and gave a blessing. 
You know what's happening here? Jesus is at the head of the table. See this? There's a feast of 20,000. Jesus is the head of the table. What's that doing? It's foreshadowing the eternal banquet with the Messiah and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is here in the wilderness at the head of the table giving thanks and satisfying all who are there as a foreshadow of the eternal banquet to come in heaven. Just glory. It's just glorious. It's just awesome, and it's just Jesus. Bring them here to me. And lastly, Jesus is our substance. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, it says, And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Why is that there? There's debate on what the 12 baskets represent, but each disciple presumably received one of these baskets marvelously from what they started with look what they end with see the generosity and substance of jesus he's providing daily bread in the wilderness it's amazing as the israelites traveling through the wilderness receiving manna here's jesus he's the fulfillment of all things jesus himself says i'm the bread of life and here he is providing in abundance the substance of life itself and jesus says to you and me today bring them here to me. Now, last thing I want you to notice. Notice how Jesus performs this miracle. I wonder if you saw this as we went through it. Notice that Jesus uses his disciple. His disciples in the beginning of the miracle, in the middle, and the end of the miracle. You see that Jesus hands the baskets to, to the disciples. And the disciples, they go around. He, first he asks them, you have some need. Then he begins to use them. And he, they go around and they distribute the provision. They distribute Jesus as the source. The disciples are the means. The disciples are the ones who distribute. Why is that significant? When you think of the sufficiency and the substance and you think of the glorious, again, glorious satisfaction of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I'm the vine. And Jesus says to all of us who are alive in Christ, you are the branches. Jesus is the source. A branch cannot bear any fruit by itself. A branch that is not attached to the vine will be dead. When you see a branch that's lying on the ground that has been detached from the tree, it is dead. In order for the branch to bear fruit, it must be attached to the vine. But notice, Jesus is the vine. The church are the branches. He's the source. But he chooses in his wisdom and sovereignty in his plan to use us in the process. In fact, that's the only way Jesus chooses to work is through the branches, the church. Ascend, church. I speak to you with a heart as sincerely as I can. You have a mass of people out there. You walk out these doors, and there are thousands and tens of thousands of lost people. There's so much work to be done across this world. It is overwhelming. There's too much. It's 20,000 people compared to five loaves and two fish. When you attach yourself to the vine of Jesus Christ, when you wholeheartedly seek him, when you surrender to him, when you repent of sin, when you choose to follow him in love and sincerity and dependence and prayer, you become a branch that is about to be given the provision of Jesus to go and to feed and to spread his nourishment and life-giving gospel to all again that the Lord purposes. That's awesome. And you have every opportunity in the world as I do where I come from to understand when you attach yourself to the vine of Jesus Christ, there's nothing he cannot do.
called Faith Now, how he wants to use you where you are today. But it must start with him. And today, Jesus says to you, bring them here to me and let me see what I can do when I'm in charge and when I'm the one who's distributing or the one who's empowering and filling. Final slide I want you to see here as we end today, just this, by way of application, if we can put that final slide up, that'd be so great. There should be one more. There is. That's good. That's good. Three things I want you to consider. Repent of your self-sufficiency. How's the Lord spoken to you today? Repent of your self-sufficiency. Maybe as this message has been preached over you, you realize you've been depending on yourself way too much. Whatever area that you have been brought to mind that you can think of, repent of your self-sufficiency. Secondly, hand over your inadequacy. I, just, I love declaring, Lord, I can't. I love declaring, Lord, I'm unable. I'm inadequate because it's theologically true. Hand over to him. Delight in that reality. Hand over your inadequacy. And thirdly, trust him in his sovereignty. That all the things that we're experiencing, all the things that are going on, trust in him that he knows that he is working, he's in control, and he is using his church today. Great, great, great expectations for a sent church at this time.